0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. (sighs) Uh, Today's guest is author Tricia Huffman, who is the author of F the Shoulds, Do the Wants. I've listened to different interviews with you, Tricia. Well, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Hi, thanks. And I've heard you talk about uh, dealing with chronic pain before and uh, before i have you before i ask that question my first question really is what got you out of bed this morning mm.
1: well the honest answer what got me out of bed this morning is that i have two children and they have to be at school and i have to feed them breakfast and pack a lunch so that is what gets me out of bed most days
0: yeah, how I, I now are you one of those make make the the uh lunch in the morning or do you like make it, do you do a Sunday where it's like a factory line and everything's prepped for the week?
1: You know, I do it in the morning and that's like one of the small shoulds too that like would mess with me, right? Cause I would feel like I see other moms like pack meals at night and how they talk about how organized they are by packing the lunch the day before. So I should do that. But it never like felt right for me. And like I, because of the chronic pain, I have fibromyalgia. I don't have a ton of energy to be honest, which I think surprises people, even me, because I'm a very energetic, alive person, but I don't have much energy. So by the end of the day, I'm done. So, like, stuff like doing the dishes, cleaning up around the house, packing the lunches, that things that you would think you should do to be like an organized, whatever, grown person. I always do better with those things in the morning.
0: Oh, me too. I'm, I, so Michelle, my girlfriend is very good with doing it throughout the day. It's her like reprieve because we both work from home me i need to i need to bask t- wait batch task batch batch ba- batch task where like I do, that
1: sounds good to w- me <laughs> where like i'm
0: doing all batch those or things batch at task. once where like i'm doing the dishes laundry like if i'm cleaning i'm cleaning i'm not doing anything else or michelle can like send emails and clean She could do laundry and um, and you know talk on the phone like I, i'm like if i'm i can only do one thing at a time. I can't do that back and forth or intermittently.
1: God, I can do a little bit of both. And again, cause I have young kids that there is a part of me that's like pick up things as you see them walking through the house. But then again, then I will be like, well, I will never stop. So it's just like a lot of it is walking through my house as I'm working from home and being like, I will get into pickup mode later because this is the thing I want to focus on.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and let's be honest. Cause you brought up a good point. When, when people talk about social media They talk about how like, oh, you know, social media is so bad for our brains and, uh, um, you know, we end up comparing ourselves to social media people. But even before social media, we were comparing ourselves to other people. You talked about comparing yourself to the other moms and feeling like you should be doing what the other moms are doing. And, uh, and, And so my question is, like, have you even asked, like, are they really doing all the, it's cause it seems like from the outside that people are doing everything and they're doing nothing. So then you go, I should be doing everything.
1: Yeah. I think then this is, you know, the big thing about my book and everything I do period is like allowing yourself to do what works for you in the period that works for you. Cause also knowing that we change. And so, yeah, I do know some super organized moms that will do everything, you know, like they, like everything is just like to a T and their kids' lives. Like they're going to all these things like that, but, but I also now know a ton of moms that basically were just like, wow, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I kind of like, you know, I had, I met him or I was with a mom last week was like. Uh, I gave my kid an Oreo for breakfast last week because we were out of groceries. I'm a terrible mom, and I was like, I mean, sometimes I take my kids for donuts. They're probably made out of similar ingredients, right? So, like, I get it. You're not going to give your kid Oreos every day, but like, let yourself off the hook because you, you know, like a waffle with syrup and the, like, of course, like, and I am I too. Like, that was a lot of shame that I carried too because because of my chronic pain. I went really into wellness and natural healing and natural eating. And that really helped me a a bunch. Um, But then because of that, I kind of got like, so I have to be this way that I still then now will feel like not now. It took me some years of getting over this like shame of like, I'm not eating the highest quality. Like I can only eat almond milk that I have milked myself. And so now I have bought this, like you can get so focused on so many things. And then I think what's worse is the emotions around them. Them like, yep, I bought that oat milk that they're talking about has these oils in it. But what's worse, me freaking out and having anxiety because I've been drinking oat milk with oil and I didn't feel any differently in my body for two years. But now- oh no, I've been poisoning myself because <laughs> like, I didn't apparently make the healthiest choice. Like there's always going to be something that comes out about something. And like this shame again of like, oh no. And now I'm like, it's it's going to be okay. Like I was raised on junk food. I mostly give my ch- t- children healthy things, but like, let's like, it's okay. It's okay, parents.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is shame that comes from uh, self-help or, or gaining knowledge. You know, you, you read so many self-help books, and they're like, well, this is how you know you, you should communicate or this is how you should A- X, Y, and Z. And now you're, you keep learning about all these d- ways that you should improve or could improve. And then so every time you, you fall short of that, it, it, it just piles on the shame and the guilt. So, the, I mean, it's like self-help is supposed to help you, but then it, it actually over the long term, ends up having you feel worse because now you're too aware of how things should be. And you're just like, Oh, you know what? I'm no. Nope. Cause I know. So let me ask you this. If for somebody to get to F the shoulds, that tells me that you weren't always a, a F the shoulds kind of person. That tells me that you were, um, you know, you probably started off as, uh, feeling like you should do all these things and comparing yourself to others. Take us through that journey. What, how, how did, what, what were you before you were F the shoulds?
1: Yeah. So my life is kind of like two key moments that shaped a lot for me. And so then when the idea of like where I got clear of actually like kick, I kicked the word should out of my life at a time. And it was so confusing to me that I was choosing to focus on this because I was like, I don't live a life of shoulds. Like I live a life that I want because when I was 15, um, I was suffering from a lot of undiagnosed pain in my body, stomach issues, like couldn't sleep. And I also was 15, (laughs) which I think is a challenging, you know, time. Uh, And I did like, yeah, I felt so much like wanting to be acknowledged, wanting to be seen, like wanting to fit in yet stand out, like wanting to, you know, be special, wanting everybody to love me, wanting guys to like me. Just like, I really like, remember feeling like, just like feeling so alone and like craving this belonging. But yet I was like popular. I was good at soccer, you know, like, I didn't like I wasn't an outsider at all. I wasn't like a nerd. I was smart, but that was another thing like am I allowed to be smart? I like I remember questioning oh wait, is it cool to be smart? Like those sorts of things and like oh, what should I wear? You know, like what do I wear? Like what's the in thing to wear? Like those sorts again. Like most of the ways that I think that we mess ourselves up are these small things. And so that we constantly are in comparison and in the shoulds without realizing, because it's these like small things, like whether well, again, like, oh, what's the healthy thing to eat? What's the right thing to eat now? What should I be eating? So I do remember being young, like being so like, yeah, like wanting to belong. And at the same time stand out because like, I wanted people to be like, Trisha's amazing. We love Trisha, right? Like, <laughs> like who doesn't really want that? <laughs> um, and so I did almost take my life. Like I laid a bed, laid awake at night many, many times thinking like how easy it would be to just take my dad's sleeping pills. Uh, you know, I had a balcony. I thought of like different things, uh, but I was like, yeah, that probably wouldn't work. And so I often did think why well, I could just do that. And there were some things going on in my family and stuff as well. And then there did this just one day happened where... To be honest, I was going to have to eat dinner with my family. That's what the thing was. I was going to have to sit down at the dinner table with my family. And I couldn't deal with it. I locked myself in my bathroom all day, had like a breakdown. I was like drawing in red lipstick. Uh, And I gave myself two choices, was like, well, you have been dreaming of this option. So you could take that. Or, and obviously I'm, the way I'm saying it is not probably how it exactly went down, but like, I do remember being like, well, this is it. you got to make a choice, like make that choice or like stop caring so much about anybody else and just actually try to live your life. Like, so choose to end my life or choose to live my life. And I made that choice. And so at 15, I started moving through my life differently And so I was still affected by doubts and fears and comparisons and, you know, all of this stuff. But I also was very much like, yeah, I'm living my life. So I started to sort of like be bolder and like talk back to people and like even like stand up and defend other people, including to my parents, like they were in an unhappy relationship. And I was just sort of like, I don't understand why I'm supposed to listen to you people. You are miserable. So there will no rules, no curfew. I'm going to do whatever I want. This is what I do, by the way. Uh, So I really just was like, I'm doing me. But I still was like responsible and went to school and got good grades. And um, and I made my biggest dream come true. I wanted to be a live sound engineer. I didn't know what that even was called. I, you know, like, uh, and I did it. I was like living my biggest dream, touring the world with icons, controlling what they heard on stage. And when I wasn't on tour, I would travel on my own. Like, So I didn't think I was someone who lived a life of shoulds after that point. But the second point is my father passed away suddenly in 2008, and it shook me up like nothing I could have ever imagined. And I was such a mess. I was supposed to be flying to Australia the day he passed away. I flew home for the funeral and then still got on a plane to Australia. And I was just such a mess. And I tried to stay on tour. It was like they were my favorite people. It was a job I loved. And I was just miserable. And I was just walking around the, everywhere I went and seeing everybody else seemed like they were miserable. And so part of me was like, well, I don't know what's going on with anybody. Cause I'm like grieving my dad and they don't know that. Like, I wanted people to know, like, I just lost my dad. Like, it was like the worst thing in the world. And also realizing, I don't know what's going on with other people, but then also like, don't people know you could die? today, like my dad's death was an accident. And at the time we didn't even know what it was like, they were still investigating in it. So I really just wanted to shake people and be like, what's your problem? You're alive. You are alive right now. What is going on? And I couldn't get it out of my head. And I ended up quitting my job. I had an entire year of touring in front of me that I was so excited about. Again, it was like my favorite touring family And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, I'm giving up my job and I don't know what I'm going to do. And the only thing I knew was that I was done with the word should. And like I said, it was so confusing because I was like, I don't live a life of shoulds. Where did this like internal message come from? But I decided to stick with it. And so I really did not allow myself to say the word should. I was so stuck on that. And so then I was able to expose how much the shoulds were running even my life. Again, it's like, oh, what should I do today? What should I eat for lunch? Uh, I should do yoga today. I should be exercising. I should get out of bed. And I'd be like, why? And and I needed a word to replace it with because I would, again, I'd be in conversations and I would, i was so committed. I'd be like, what should, and I would just be stuck. So I, I needed a replacement for this word. And I went through many different words and I realized the best word to switch it out for was want. And that changed everything. What should I eat today? What do I want to eat? I should get out of bed. Do I want to get out of bed right now? Or am I just like feeling like I should, because I'm feeling like I'm lazy, but like, I don't have anything to do today. I just quit my life. Like, you know, like these sorts of things where I got to, I noticed by tuning into every should I was questioning it and like, well, why am I doing that? And what do I actually want? And so like every single day I was empowering myself in these really small ways that turned into big ways. And so this was in 2008 (laughs) and I've been so tuned into that ever since that, like, that's what the whole book is, is like, I have unraveled so much of what the shoulds do to us. And let that every day they still affect me, but because I'm so tuned in, I get to constantly like question them and realign myself like, oh, 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 what do you want, Trisha? Like we're so programmed to be worried about what the outside world wants from us or what their version of us is. And so to come back to, oh, what about me? So um, yes, at one point I was a person that lived a life of shoulds. <laughs>
0: I, you know, the thing that stands out to me uh, in that story is that it was sitting down to eat dinner with your parents that you're like, now sounds like a good time. Like what? They <laughs> need to peel back the layers and what was going on in a household. Uh, first of all, are you um, are you an only child?
1: I have an older sister. She had moved out. She's four years older. So she Mm -hmm. wasn't at home.
0: So that four year difference, I'd imagine you kind of felt like an only child. It's like there's there's kind of a.
1: Yeah, like she wanted nothing to do with me. Like I was like, oh, what are you doing, Kara? And like, yeah. And she was like doing her own thing.
0: And so what was the dynamic between your parents? Was it uh, physical abuse? Was it emotional abuse? Or did they just not get along? Were they just kind of bickering and annoyed with each other?
1: I never saw any abuse. But it's like I remember being in fourth grade and them separating and like back then being happy about it. Like, you know, like I don't have very many memories from my childhood. But one of my earliest memories is like hiding in my sister's room when I was like, you know, like very young, because they were fighting, and the dog was like hiding with us. So I don't really—I have very few memories of them being happy, but I do have some. <laughs> um, but yeah, they—they they just. Didn't get along, and we're very different people. And uh, you know, it's I I know it's like, of course, how they were raised, and so how my mother was raised affected. And so she was very much worried financially about things. And and for a while, she was even the person that was bringing in at that time. Probably when I was in high school, I think she was like the solo breadwinner of the family. Like my dad had like tried to do his own business, and it didn't work out. And so he was unemployed for a long time. Um, and it was like hard, like, I think he was 40, which is like back then it was like, he's so old and now 40 seems young. Right. And back then getting a job at 40 was really hard.
0: <laughs> so your mom's, you know, bringing home the money and dad is unemployed. And especially at that time, I mean, a man's identity is so wrapped up in finances and, and you know, I mean, he definitely probably had the, the shoulds like, I should be the breadwinner. I should be making the money and I should be supporting the family. And my wife should be listening to me. I I think that's the other side of the shoulds that people don't talk about is that if you're putting shoulds on yourself, then you're also putting shoulds on other people. And that's a recipe for disappointment. I see you nodding your head.
1: Yeah. Yep. And like, yeah, I talk about all that in the book. and Because, yeah, it's again how it's related to disappointment and our expectations of others and all of that. And I don't, again, like, so my dad, like the memories I have of my dad are like him buying us season tickets to concerts, him throwing a Jimmy Buffett party, him buying a boat when he couldn't afford it. (laughs) So I don't even know if he was struggling. Like he might've been like, Oh, this is great. I don't have to worry about the money. I don't know. Cause again, like back then there was frustration because again, I had all this undiagnosed pain and uh as much as I knew that they cared about me and they wanted me to be taken care of because I was going to all sorts of specialists, I do think it was a burden. And, um, I do remember my dad feeling like annoyed with me because he would be, before I got my license, he was the one that was in charge of taking me to school, to high school. And I definitely used my pain To my advantage in ways, so it was rare if I made it to school five days a week. Like I'd usually make it for four, and I'd be calculated as to which. Because you know, but again, like I did good in my classes, and I worked a job, and I played soccer, and so again, I would sort of. But my dad, I know, was frustrated with me because he, I would like. There was an instance like he was driving me to school, and I was like, "I don't feel good. I don't want to go." I really don't feel good. I don't want to go. And he was our, we were only like, I know where we were and it was, you know, like maybe a quarter mile from our house. And that like, I think I actually tried to jump out of the car like dramatic, or maybe he smacked me. There's one time ever that he smacked me and I made it such a big deal and tried to like run from the car. I'm calling child abuse. Like, so this also happened around that time to be honest. Like, so the reality of like that. So, and then I didn't talk to my dad for months. (laughs)
0: that that all you know yeah it's leading up to the
1: meltdown of eating dinner with my grandmother was going to come over and so I was going to have to be and that's what it was my grandmother was going to come over she never came over we would go to her house and so I was that is like you know those are things leading up to that I was going to have to sit at a table
0: (laughs) in my own home it's I mean it just points to the fact that when people do and, and I know this isn't the case for everybody and everyone who has ever attempted or uh, completed suicide. But for so many people, it's these small windows of, you know, oh, I have to go to this thing with my mom and, you know, or I have to sit at dinner with... It's like these small little things that uh, individually seem insignificant, but really are, are is, uh it's the buildup, it's everything that happened before it that's led up to this seemingly small incident that that can be a trigger. And so, you know, for you to sit there and actually think through that of like, I have options here, I can do this or I can do that. And how did you recognize at fifteen that you were running on someone else's operating system because to me that's what shoulds are on some effect like it's everybody else is programming you of how to behave uh what to expect and you're trying to live up to that how did you realize that oh i'm i'm exhausted from trying to live up to everybody else's expectations
1: Yeah. And it is so like interesting. Yeah. Thinking back and that we're like laughing about that. Those are the things that were like adding up in that time, but really it was so much more. And that, yeah, if I had made that other choice that day, everyone, nobody would have been like, Oh, we thought this was coming. Or like there would have been, there would have been like barely many, many clues. Like sure. I was an angsty teenager, but I was still like, yeah, as we said, getting good grades. (laughs) playing soccer, working my job, had friends. So yeah, you really just never know, which is so tricky. Um, I don't know. So again, like I do always feel like I remember having like these more open eyes to things. Like I remember being in elementary school and my best friend based on, we lived in the same neighborhood and had, you know, like older siblings too. So like, that's how she became my best friend. Um, like, which I'm now really with my own kids, like, right. That person's your best friend, but they're kind of a jerk. And you're really just for like, I'm hoping like you'll meet a different friend. Like, it's like, sometimes you become friends. Cause like, Oh, you're in the same, everything is that person. <laughs> like, so I've been thinking back to my own friendships. And so, um, that person became my best friend. And I remember that she was someone that would like on a Tuesday, be like, we don't like so-and-so today. And I would be like, but I like so-and-so, why do we not like this person today? And that really like struggling with that in her age, but everybody would go along because she was the like boss of the recess playground. So I remember early on being like, these things don't make sense. Why do we, I don't understand that. Um, but again, like, I don't, I think, I don't know that day. Like I remember that, like, I remember these two kids and I don't know if I chose to play with the other person or not, or if I went along with it, even though I did not understand it, I can't remember that part of it. So I do remember just paying a lot of attention to those sorts of things early on. And honestly, you know, I got a little emotional when you were asking that question. Cause I was like, I mean, it might be, hey, thanks, parents, for having a terrible relationship (laughs) in that I was visibly so why don't you people get a divorce? You're obviously unhappy that, again, like me being witness to miserable adults as a child in me, obviously not in all kids, was made me be like, well, that's bullshit. I don't want to live my life like that. Like, what is this all for? you know so I in some ways them having a terrible relationship and trying to stay together for the kids or religion my mom I was what I was raised in Catholic schools like you know and that was my mom had so much shame for when she finally did get a divorce they finally did get a divorce by the way when I was graduating college and I was like really like I remember them being so excited to call and tell me thinking Trisha's gonna be so happy to hear this news <laughs> and I was like laughed like now you got
0: yeah your your ghost would have been pissed (laughs) your ghost would have been like what um and you know what what i am picking up from this story is you know and i can hear the listeners saying well uh, you know uh, you know feeding my own wants i mean that that's kind of selfish how can you feed your own wants and and, and so many of us do struggle with putting our needs first. So that's why I love in your book, around page 28, you talk about um, how to put your own needs first and, and saying no to people because we feel like we should say yes and be there for others whenever they want us to be there for them. How do you help people navigate through, through those moments?
1: Yeah. I mean, what I always share about this, cause I do see so many times with my own like clients, these people that, you know, it's like afraid to make these choices that would best support them from big to small choices again, that it's like this remembrance of like, so the energy that I picked up on as a kid of like these people being unhappy and like me wanting to run and be like, escape that home and get far away. And I did, I was like someone that as soon as high school, like, let me get out of here and never come back. Well, I mean, I do come to visit them (laughs) anyway, but, um, that when we're doing things that we want to do that fulfill us, that make us feel good, then that doesn't just affect us. Like the version of me. And by the way, I had, I made a similar choice. I am no longer with the father of my children. And it's heartbreaking in some days for my daughter to be like crying and she writes a paper at school or I, mom, I need to wish on a shooting star that we are all, that my family lives together again. That is a thing that my daughter has said to me, which is heartbreaking. (laughs) And for me to make the choice that, and that I am a better mother a better human, a better person to whether it's the people in line at the grocery store or a client, my children, I'm a better version of me because I am making choices that support me, even though, yeah, they don't live in the same house as their dad anymore, but that we have created an amazing family and that we're still an amazing family. So I made that shift in a loving way and that he's still part of our life, but like, You're a different person and everybody gets to benefit when you're making choices that light you up, even when it might be like a struggle for them to get used to it. Or even if that means like they get less time with you, you know, like, so there can be an adjustment period to when you start becoming someone that starts to say no, or actually says, you know, or just even I've seen like mothers who have, our people just have a hard time saying, like even choosing the restaurant, like, so it's like, they're always going to places they don't want to go. Because they're so loving and caring, and giving. But meanwhile, they're kind of like resentful and miserable and like, you know, like even that, like giving up, giving yourself the right to choose the restaurant, or to say, Hey, I'm gonna go take a walk by myself for an hour because that's what I need. Oh, but my kids need me, or my partner needs me, or my blah, blah, blah. But who will you be when you come back from that walk? Like, uh, or like whatever, you're doing the things that support you. It's like imagining. I'm grounded. I'm alive. I'm fulfilled. I'm like, you know, I'm a different energy when I'm doing things that are wants to me. And everybody gets to feel that rather than the resentful, like burned out, trying to do everything for everything person. You can like feel the energy of the shoulds and the wants, whether it's a choice you're making for yourself or other people can see that, like can feel that energy from you.
0: Yeah. And I think that what happens is over time, trust builds up because I think initially so many of us struggle with abandonment issues that when our partners does say that they want to take some time for themselves, that they feel like they're abandoning the person or the relationship or leaving them, or there's feelings of rejection come up. But but over time, they'll come to see like as you said, that the partner comes back a, a more fulfilled, a more present, a more grounded, a more peaceful um, and, and energetic and just kind of vibrant and buoyant person. Uh, but it takes a while to, hey, Michelle and I, you know, we've struggled with that where I'm that person who needs time um, to, alone to recharge. And that would trigger some issues for her and, over time, though, she's come to trust that that's one, that's really what I'm going to go do, right? Like I'm not, mm. time, time to myself doesn't mean, you know, going to Stephanie's house. You know, it, 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 it means going for a walk on the beach. It means, um, you know, maybe reading a book in a park or going to, to work out or something like that. Um, and so when we build that trust, And over time, the relationship becomes stronger because then the other person starts to recognize when they need to step away and spend time to to do some self-care and step stand up for themselves so that overall the relationship gets stronger. But if you're both living in the shoulds, then, as you said, the resentments and the misery uh, build up and then you know, the the relationship dissolves.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, the whole book and like, when I say in the book, I'm sort of like, it's going to have you living your most aligned and alive life. So it doesn't mean like you're only doing your once and anything that's like, feels like a should for you. You're going to disregard because also it's seeing like it's coming to it again. Like, so I now, like I made the choice to totally like eliminate the word, but I still feel the shoulds daily. But I like to say like the shoulds now show up to me as sort of like a yield sign, or like flashing light. And that's what I want for other people to see. It's so like, if you're feeling a should, like, oh, I should say yes, or I should do this, or I should just go along with it, whatever these things to then look at why, because what I've also found, and there's even like a chapter on like procrastination and like, okay, there's these things you want to do, but you're not doing. Um, but looking at the deeper, like why you're doing things, why you want to say yes, like why you're showing up for those people, whatever the thing is, why you want to do the dishes. Like, oh, I should really do the dishes. I don't want, I don't want to do the dishes. When I get in a check with like, why do I want to do them? Because I'm going to feel so much better that things are clear. Or if it just feels like, oh, I should, because I was taught that dishes have to be put away. Like for me, that was another hang up that if I was like raised with, as soon as you use a dish, it is cleaned. But again, this is my energy thing. Like I sometimes go to bed with dirty dishes. You guys, sometimes they stay for more than a day. And I have had to deal with a lot of healing shame around that. <laughs> Cause I must, I must be a lazy person. I must be unrespons like, you know, irresponsible. So again, like, I, but I get to check with myself of like, why do I want to do the dishes? And right now it's like, well, yes, that is an option, but also I want to spend time, quality time with my kids right now. So that's the choice I'm making, or I want to get to bed because I'm tired. And then when I come back to the dirty dishes and I start to feel like, oh my God, I should have done the dishes. I'm so lazy. I'm so irresponsible. And again, I get to check back to why did I make that choice? Right. Okay. And so right now I want to do the dishes. You know, because I want the house to be clean. So again, it's like always getting checked back in with because it should haves is a big one for most people in the shames. And again, in these small ways and in big ones to then just be able to be with yourself in the present moment. But again, like you're showing up in your relationships, in your business life, and whatever you're doing with less like resentment and less like, oh, I can't believe I said yes to this and stuff so you get back to, why did I do this? Or why would I want to send those emails right now? Because then it won't be weighing on me. Even that, it doesn't have to be like, because I want to be a good business person. Like, how will it make me feel is another reminder for me to do the things that I want to do realistically, but they're showing up as shoulds right now. (laughs) But like, so this aligned, you're showing up as aligned and people can feel that from you. People can trust you. People can depend on you because they know that you're being honest and you're real and you're saying yes when you actually want to and not just because you feel like you should.
0: Yeah, because sometimes we forget why we are engaged in doing the things that we're doing. Uh, you know, we forget why we're going to go work out or why we're eating a certain way. And we do need to remind ourselves of, uh, the, you know, what, what part of it that we love or what we're looking forward to or, or maybe even what we're trying to avoid, you know, there's certain foods that maybe you're not eating because of the pain, the physical, the literal physical pain that it brings. Um, I know at the beginning to best to backtrack a little bit, you're talking about fibromyalgia. What but and I, I know that there is uh, some chronic pain, but what are the symptoms of fibromyalgia in case someone listening is struggling with that and has no idea and they just think that they're lazy and you know don't want to do anything?
1: Yeah. So even though I was diagnosed in 1999, I believe. And that was when it was first becoming like a word and, uh, that it was it like, I was so misdiagnosed for so long because it was, they were still trying to figure it out. And it honestly still feels like something they give when they're like, we don't really know. Um, so there is, uh, you know, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, there can be a lot of digestion issues um, joint swelling. Like I recently went to just get a physical, you know, basically just to have my insurance pay for chiropractic and acupuncture, because those things really helped me. And they had to do blood tests and they ran blood tests for a basic physical. And they had me going, I had to go back to like, a, I I forget the name of the doctor but I had to go get, I had an x-ray of every bone in my body. I had to get so many blood tests because some of the blood tests came back. They were like, oh, you might have rheumatoid arthritis. You might have this from inflammation. At the end of all of that, again, they were like, well, I guess it's just the fibromyalgia. (laughs) But part of me was like, well, see, there is something wrong with me because they had these tests that triggered. But so I remember at one point that it was good for me to describe it as like I had the flu all the time. Like, so really like I too. Like, and I said in the book, like, you might think that I'm like a super highly motivated person that jumps out of bed. Like, no, I have to pull in those days when the kids are at their dads, I will be in bed for like three hours until I wake up. Like it's actually hard to get out of bed. Um, But because of that too, like, I feel like I had some gifts in dealing with this chronic pain, like one, and that it sort of made me always take care of my body. And so like, I was someone that was like, yeah, no, I need to rest. And I can't say yes to everything. And I have to actually take care of myself because if I don't take care of myself, I can't show up for the life that I choose to live. Because again, like since that day at 15, I do always have this background reminder of like, Hey, You chose to live your life, not just to live a life and be alive. You chose to be alive. So, so now I'm like forgetting what I was going to say anyway. So, um, also the fibromyalgia pain, I realized a long time ago, back before it was diagnosed that I would feel worse when I was doing things that I didn't like but I felt like I should, like, I remember getting this job at the mall because my friend who was, again, I was always friends with the cool kids. Um, the coolest girl in school had a job at this place. And so I was like, they're hiring Trisha. get a job here. I was like, okay, yes. And I hated it, but I was like, I have to no, like I should love it because chill does. And I would feel miserable every day, like so sick that I had to work. And then I quit And I didn't feel like better, but what I've noticed my entire life is thanks to my chronic pain, I have a greater indicator of when I'm doing things that I actually want to, that light me up, that fulfill me and bring me joy. And when I'm like just forcing myself to do something because it feels like a should or is expected of me. Again, like I do a lot of mindset work for when I do have to actually do the thing (laughs) and how can I want to do this? But for me too, it is like living a life where you're doing things that bring you alive, that are wants for you, that you bring you joy. Like I chose to live. And so there's that. And also like, I don't have as much pain in my body because I don't pay attention to as much pain in my body when I'm actually living a life that fulfills me. So I'm not saying that this works for everybody with any sort of chronic pain condition or that, but I and it's like, oh, it's a miracle. And you just do what you want and you're not going to feel pain. No, because like I said, I still struggle to get out of bed and I still do a lot of things daily to take care of myself, but it sure helps a lot to not be weighed down. And that's one of the things I also say, like I couldn't change my physical pain back then. Now I've learned a lot of things that help and support me, um, but I could do something about the mental pain that I was causing myself and that I think we cause ourselves daily as humans. And then my brain still tries to, but I have to be like, Hey, no, 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 uh, no, I don't buy that. Or I don't know what, why are you trying to always have me in comparison mode and always telling me that I'm not enough?
0: It, it that, that rings so true, you know, uh, in some books they call it psych ache, you know, that mental pain. And it, it's also telling because there's so many times as a performer, and you see this with athletes where they're sick, they have the flu but when they're on stage, they're healthy, you know, because they're doing the thing that lights them up. And then as soon as, you know, the, the clock hits zero or their time is up, boom, they collapse, fall, you know, all the, the ailments and, and uh, symptoms uh, flood back in. So there is something about doing something that lights you up and how that can dissipate and alleviate the pain that we're experiencing. Um, in your book on page 64, you have a four-step process to navigate through feelings. And th- to me, that's so important because so many people uh, are not um, aware of the the array of emotions and feelings that they have. You know, I, if you're like me, I grew up in a household where there was only two emotions, cool and pissed. Uh, and maybe fine. I think, as, I don't even know if fine is a and good is not even an emotion. So, uh, and and so piss, I only grew up with one emotion now that, I, now that I'm saying this out loud. Um, what, what, can you talk to us about the four-step process uh, of navigating through our feelings?
1: Yeah, and so this is something I was able to like, I created for myself, because again, I would start to realize like, wait, I'm not using the word should, but I would feel the weight, right? So then I would just notice in my body, like, when am I feeling discomfort? And And sometimes it's like sort of, you know i'd be like making lunch or doing something and uh, or i'm outside and i'm walking around and i'm like wait why do i feel like angry right now or like why do i what am i what am i like what's going on and so i would be like naming it was always the first step like what am i feeling i'm feeling shame i'm feeling anger i'm feeling annoyed I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling confused. Like, what am I feeling? Like I would just be able to notice something's going on here in my energy. Like I'm not in the set. So that was the first step of simply naming what you're feeling. And honestly, I feel like just simply bringing attention to, Oh, I'm feeling this does a lot to sort of alleviate it, just the naming. But then the second step. I would ask myself, "Would well, why? And, by, and I do say like, you don't need to know the why. Like sometimes trying to figure out a why can make us go down like deeper, some warm hill. But like simply by asking myself why, I would be able to remember. And it, it would be like, oh, I, you know, somebody texted me back with K and that's it. Like, <laughs> and so my mind has then spun that this person obviously doesn't care or this, whatever. And so then I'm moving through my day feeling like, annoyed or pissed off you know like so that would sometimes be the thing like a text message
0: K is not a small thing K and sure when i get those i am livid do not respond either give me a yes or no i don't know what sure is sure is like Same. sure. it's so dismissive it's the most dismissive <laughs> yeah, response
1: that definitely K? doesn't sound like a what and you're like fine we'll just get you off my back
0: what or like when people on your facebook when they put uh instead of happy birthday they just put HBD, don't even post. Don't even put anything up there. HBD, that sounds like a STD. That, that don't even. All right, you, I'm sorry. That K thing really is. But no, I'm
1: saying like something like that, I yes. could realize that like, and it could have even been like, it could have been five minutes ago. It could have been like, I'll be like, wait, what is going on? Like, what's feeling off? Or it'd be like, oh, like, why am I feeling this? Because I was on Instagram and I saw this other author like posting about, you know, like all this good you know, press, she's getting whatever. And so then that's making me. So sometimes for me checking in, is like, oh, why am I feeling this? Cause then it's usually noticing, like it's usually something, those are big things and small, like, you know, cause they make me feel that I'm not enough. Like that's my biggest thing usually, like I'm not enough. And so then, you know, asking the third step is, what do I want to feel? What do I want to feel? You know, and so again, it could be like looking at that actual situation. Like, I want to feel that my book is going to be, you know, do good too. I want to feel like that person does support me because it's usually looking at what is causing that then thought, like that person wrote K. And so then I make up, they don't actually want to, or they don't care about me. So then they don't, whatever. I want to feel that they do actually love me or this, or I want to feel centered. I want to feel grounded. I want to feel like I am enough. And then the fourth step is what can I do to nurture myself or to feel that, you know, because again, it's like, sometimes it's just the realizing what it was that helps you switch out of it. And also again, sometimes it might be a real thing. Like, yeah, you're, you know, your dog is sick and you're really concerned. And that's the why, what do I want to feel? I want to feel, like protected. I want to feel that everything's going to be okay. And so it's not realizing that you're going to be able to shift it with the snap of your fingers. And so then the fourth one is, well, what can I do then to either feel that or if that feels too far out of reach, like to nurture myself right now. So it could be like, I'm going to call my friend. I'm going to go make myself a tea. I'm going to go outside in nature. Like, so these are reminders to connect back with you. In this right now and not maybe where your mind has taken you from for in the past or somewhere in the future or to something you can't change like yeah your dog is sick and you don't know anything right now so what can you do to support yourself to nurture yourself right now
0: you know it brings me to that moment when you're in a bathroom with the pills and like grandma's about to come over and when you were thinking about your parents should just do why don't you guys just divorce like you clearly when you look back what was in in that moment in the bathroom what is it that you wanted to feel at that moment in the bathroom Hmm
1: You know it's so interesting because again I was so like an angry teenager So you would think like, I'm trying to like be real about it. It's like, not that, you know, oh, I want my parents to come and tell me that they love me because they probably like they were. And I'm like, no, stay away from me. You know what I mean? So, but I had this inner, like, I do know that I've, I have this voice inside of me that nobody cares about me, even though that's probably like never, you know, it's like, I have so much evidence. that they care to me, even when my parents weren't happy, you know, even this, but so because I know, and I still have that to this day, (laughs) nope. See, nobody cares. Oh my, your book's nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like I'm always catching myself being like, nobody cares. And so again, it links to this. I am not, you know, I'm not enough in some way. Um, so back then, like, what would I have wanted It would have had to been like somebody that who was not my parents, someone that I loved and admired that was just like, Trisha, you're here for a reason, just live your life. And so maybe that was where my internal message came from. And also, you know, at that time, I can't even think of who that person would have been at that time. (laughs) And it's not because there weren't good people in my life. It's just like the focus of that being so much living in pain. And angst, even though people might not have realized that.
0: Emotionally, what did you want? I understand you. You know, you hmm. shared with someone saying, "You know, you're here for a reason." But emotionally, what what did you want to feel? I should say.
1: What would I have wanted to feel? Taken care of is coming up for me, so I don't know. I guess nurtured and maybe that's why I always go to what would nurture you
0: <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that and, and taking that moment to to explore that uh because you know there's so many times where um I when I'm having like thoughts of suicidal when I'm having suicidal ideations and and I let that storm pass and, you know, I find a way to nurture myself through meditation or stretching or maybe just taking a nap. And for me, it comes, I always find myself coming back to peace. Mm. You know, like I'm, I'm so riled up, the, the pain feels so great and it's like an internal like battle, war, conflict uh, inflammation of fire. And I, I go, Oh, I just wanted peace. Um, and I forget it. I forget it every time, every yeah, single time. And,
1: well, that you said that I'm like, yeah, that would work. Cause again, when I say nurtured, I feel that, but again, because of where I'm at, but I'm like, yeah, I was being like, it, you know, nurtured, but I was resisting it. Right. Like, and that's what it is. It's like, I'm trying to go back to that place, which was so long ago, but also like being real again, like, yeah, it's like I wanted to be nurtured, but at the same time I was being nurtured, but being like, no, I don't want it from you or that way or this. So pushing people away, but yeah, peace was probably what I was looking for.
0: Yeah. On page uh, 66, you you talk about body image and and confidence and you know, we both played sports uh, and I like to, I, I'm always, I'm still an athlete in my head. Like once a college athlete, it always, like I got a game tomorrow is what I'm trying to tell you. Um, but as a result, you, you spend so many of those years being fixated on your weight and your performance and how you look. Um, and then when you're not in the sport that continues, especially, you know, with media and, and people every magazine cover and the news still emphasizing how you look and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what I love is that you, you share, uh, I have ideas on and strategies for people who are struggling with their body image and confidence. Could you share uh, a few of those with us, please?
1: Yeah. And that too, like, I mean, I grew up with diet culture and like my mom constantly dieting and not liking her body. And I think like, she still struggles with that in her seventies, which is really hard that that's a reality of this world that you can be, you know, you can just still be like, I need to go on a diet and I need to lose weight like constantly. Um, so, I was in, and I, and I idolized supermodels and, you know, that was the time of George Michael videos with all the supermodels and everything. So I, you know, have always struggled with body image and feeling like, and I'm, you know, like, I guess I would say midsize, like I'm, I've never really been overweight, but like on that line, I guess, or, you know, I was never like easily thin, um, so I've always struggled with that. And that's still something like to this day that I have to like, every day I have to remind myself of like my own tricks. And and it's in sort of, and it's similar to that, the, the process about what you're feeling. So I also, when I really got clear on this is that I was having, I just realized how much we're often judging ourselves, but we act as if it's the world doing it. And like, I had this moment when I was about to go out on a photo shoot years ago for like my first website. And I was so excited about it. Um, And it was going to be on the streets of New York city. And I had this moment right before I left of like, Oh no, I'm going to be like standing on the streets where people can like walk by and they're going to see that I am having my photo taken. And so they, these people, you know, these strangers walking around the street, they're going to be like, who the hell is that girl? Why is she having her photo taken? Like, she's obviously not pretty enough or thin enough or like cool enough or important enough. Like, what are all these people going to think of me? And I had this like moment of like, Trisha, you're still standing alone in your apartment. Like, I just had this reality of, are those these made up people out in the world who may actually think that about you? And they may, yeah, there probably will be some people judging me for that. Or is that you judging yourself for that? And it would be, it would have been really easy to deflect and just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what people are probably going to think, but F them. But I realized that those judgments that I was afraid other people would have of me, there was some truth to them inside of me. And, and it sucked, but it also got me really aware of when I'm having these thoughts. And when I notice the judgments are come up and a lot of my work and the book and everything is self-compassion, not to be nice to yourself, you know, like we're so beating ourselves up. So again, I could have been like, oh, You're already known as a joyologist. You're a self love person. And here you are judging your body image. Just like, man, wow, these thoughts are really relentless. Are they ever going to go away? They may not. So, what am I going to do when they come up? Question them. So, I got to like, do, is this what you believe? Like, here's what I think that I'm not worthy enough of having my photo taken from my own website that's going to empower people to own who they are. That's currently the reality of my thoughts that I am judging myself for not being enough when I am telling people, oh, you're awesome. That was like one of my key phrases for who you are. So I just simply asking myself, is that what I want to believe? So the first question is like, is that what I believe? But I think a lot of the times it is like, yeah, part of me still believes that because I've been conditioned my whole life to, to believe that I am not good enough, thin enough, pretty enough by media, by everybody. And so that's now become part of my beliefs, unfortunately, but I don't have to choose them. So asking myself simply, is that what I want to believe? No. And I think that in itself is so freeing. And then I did get to ask myself, like, what do I want to believe? I want to believe that I am enough as I am. I want to believe that I... I'm allowed to have photos of my real self to empower people to be their real selves and go further. But I honestly think the biggest part of when you catch yourself in a judgment or a comparison or all of that is to simply ask, is that really what I want to believe?
0: The interrogation of ourselves is such a beautiful way to help ourselves pause and zoom out and get perspective on what's happening and it's not a badgering I I think part of uh why I mean first people typically don't question their thoughts because it's not we don't practice it uh we're so used to growing up in a in a um, in a world where do as I say not as I Mm -hmm. do and so because you're not allowed to question anything growing up you your skills of of questioning yourself and your thoughts and your beliefs, those atrophy. So what you can't do without, becomes a challenge for you to do within. But then the other part is we don't want to feel like we're badgering ourselves because then we kind of get this questioning. It gets the stigma of like you're badgering uh, the witness or it's an interrogation when really it's uh, like you said, it's coming from a place of compassion and concern and care um and uh you know just to say hey you know is that true is that a fact or is that a belief and um and you know where are you feeling it you know just kind of it's also in the tone that we we choose with ourselves um trisha i feel like we could talk forever but obviously we can't is there anything from the book that we haven't discussed that you want to share
1: I don't know. I think we, yeah, I'm like, of course there is, but yeah, I think we covered some like really huge parts. And you know, the biggest thing is like, I've been preaching about the shoulds and how much they mess with us for over a decade. <laughs> and I do get a lot of people like, yeah, 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 stop shooting all over yourself. You know, like that's the message which I, you know, I haven't used, but it's now become part of my book marketing because it's still out there. But what I've noticed that even these people that will say that like people bigger than me with bigger media, whatever, will then use the word should regularly in their language, like stop shooting all over yourself will be an Instagram post. The next post will be like, what should I do for this? And so again, like I'm saying, you don't have to totally follow my path of eliminating the word from your life. But by me actually focusing on the word is the key that it's giving me all of this self-awareness, constant self-awareness. And so if you truly want like, to really have some shifts and changes in your life, everything's hard work, but I'm giving you just one word to focus on. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but like, try it on try, give yourself like a challenge of for one week, I'm going to focus on the word should when it, and I'm not going to use it. And when it comes up and just like to try it, because I think so many people agree with my message, but they won't be able to actually get the full potential unless they try, to try that out. And because it's like, it's given me like such huge awareness still to this day. So again, like that's how I'm able to question my thoughts and see what I'm feeling and thinking, believing all from paying attention to that one word.
0: Yeah. And, and so don't listen to this podcast and then put on another mental health podcast. Like take this, absorb it, listen to it a few more times, share it with your friends. So you're, you're, you're also sharing the same vocabulary because I think that, that becomes a big struggle too is if we feel like, we're on a mental health journey alone, and it, it becomes hard to feel like you're the only one speaking the language. And uh, so, recruit or invite someone else into your seven day no shooting uh, practice, right? And uh, and then see what happens. Uh, Trisha, last question as this of all my guests, because always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Tricia?
1: Mm, Just a nice late question. I mean, I would say, you know, what I basically said to myself back then, and that it still is like, just remember that this is your life and you get to live it your way. And that might mean making big changes or little changes or anything, but you are capable of that. Like, you know, I'm not super religious, but I'm spiritual. And like, I just believe like we're here, like we were here for a reason. And we're so used to being, we should be doing this. Like allow yourself to actually be yourself, allow yourself to even get curious about what that means. Like give your, you, your real, you a chance on this life and not what you have been like trying to be because you think you should be.
0: Ooh, I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but that feels scary for your boy, Leo Flowers. But that, that's what we're here for. We're, I mean, th- that also means we're alive. The fact that we are actually scared to do a thing means that we actually want to live. The, the, the day that i be truly terrified of is the day where I feel nothing. And uh, so thank you, Patricia, for, for reminding me that I'm alive and that I want to be alive. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. For you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALKS. Or if you're international, if you're in uh, Sri Lanka or Budapest or the Ukraine or Thailand, wherever you are in the world, there are international suicide prevention phone numbers listed in the show notes. You can talk, chat, text, whatever you need. There are groups, online groups you can join. There are free ones. There are services in the show notes also to help you pay for mental health services. So reach out, but you got to make that first step. It's not that you should. It's just that if you want to, if you, if you want to hang around, you know, another day, another hour, if you want to hear another episode, you know, pick up that phone. Uh, you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Tricia. Thank you.